I'll be very real. Um, young, you know, when I was like younger in my early 20s and my and my like teenage years, I was like very depressed because I, w- I was like suppressing all these feelings of like being who I was um, or who I am, I mean. Um, and so having like suicidal thoughts, which is like constantly like not wanting to like do anything outside of like go to work, go out with friends and that, that being it, like going home and that's it. And so as I grow and as I like, as I heal from that, learning how to, how to balance and create boundaries between like, hey, like I, I need to live and I need to like keep wanting to live this life. And if that means I, that I need to like create boundaries with the people that I love, then that's what needs to happen. Cause at the end of the day, my life, I love me and I'm, I need to value my life a lot more than I, than I value um, getting along with, with people that I love more. Mi gente, dímelo. What up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Quien Tu Eres podcast brought to you by Plural. You already know it's your boy and host, Abel, bringing you another special episode with another very special guest. Now, the clip that you heard in the intro is with this week's guest, Jesse. Before getting into the full episode, let me give you a quick little bio on Jesse. So Jesse identifies as a queer Mexican-American. He was born and is still doing the damn thing in H-Town. He has learned to lead his life by striving to live his truth. Jesse takes pride in dedicating himself to doing work where his passion for social change and his purpose for building better relationships intersect. He is a huge proponent of mental health and sharing our experiences. He believes that having the conversation is how we grow. Jesse also believes that our authenticity is what continues to push us forward. Now that you know a little bit about Jesse, let me give you one more update before getting into the episode. Wherever you are listening to this podcast, please do us a favor, like, share, subscribe. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts specifically, please do us a favor and leave us a rating, leave us a comment. This is just going to help these stories get heard by more people so that we can ultimately live our mission of redefining professionalism. With that said, let's get into the episode. First, I was raised, um, I was raised in a very like Christian home. We were raised Pentecostal, somewhat very like strict. And so like, um, I was always being like, so, you know, suppressing my feelings about like certain things and like my views on certain things. And so being able to like, um, to open up about like my, my sexuality, open up about like my worldviews, um, just was a long road, it was definitely a long road. And um, just recently when I was like reading um, your email, I was thinking about this one um, situation about five years ago when I entered like the education field, because I worked for a teacher prep program. And um, there was these two coworkers, um, which were really my managers, um, that I started getting along with like very well. And we started working closer together. And like after meetings, I'd like make certain comments and be like, oh, we should have done this. Or like, why are we doing this? And things like that. And they were like very empowering. They were like, Jesse, you need to start speaking up in the meeting. like." stop back about like what you think we should do stop holding back about like um 
things that you think we're doing wrong, things we, um, that you think we should do better. Um, and so from there, like, I started to open up a lot more um, in a professional setting. But, but most recently, I think that, like, the thing that was holding me back was, like, not having my degree. And so, like, waiting to have my degree to, like, kind of, like, um, do other things outside of my role. And so last year, I was kind of like, man, like, I don't need to wait to have a degree to, to say the things I need to say, to do the things I need to do. Um, because at the end of the day, I, I am who I say I am. And so, you know, a degree isn't going to define me. Will a degree probably, like, help me? Yeah, it's definitely going to help me, especially with what I'm studying. But, like, just, like, being able to, like, let go of that, like, hesitation because I don't have a degree. Yeah, yeah. No, I get that, man. I'm wondering how much of it, of it is also just like you growing up and feeling like you couldn't speak for a long time because of like, to your point, you said like certain family members or people in your community were telling you to like suppress who you were in many ways, right? Yeah. Um, the other thing too is that in this past, you know, in 2020 with, you know, with like the, um, the, the rise again of like the anti-racist movement um, after George Floyd, um, I was able to like facilitate some um, some some affinity dialogues at um, at work, and so being able to hear other people's experiences and us like share our like thought process, our experience, like and just like um, just like open up about a lot of things, led me to realize that like you know like the more authentic we are, the more other people feel empowered to be authentic. Um, yeah. I mean, those could be, those could be empowering, but they could also be so awkward. So like, yeah. were you nervous going into it? No, yeah, I had never done it, but I, I've always been like really passionate about like being anti-racist, you know, like um, I've been passionate about like non nonprofits and like being of service to others. And so, when they asked me to do this, I was like, I don't know how to do this, but also, again, I need to get out of my comfort zone. And if I am a, a strong believer in like building relationships and sharing our experiences and that being what moves us forward, then I need to like be an example to that, like share my experience, you know, um, like be able to facilitate these dialogues. Yeah. No, that's dope, man. I love how like your job actually even creates that space for people to be able to talk because at a lot of companies, they don't even have those conversations. Like I worked at other companies where like a George Floyd situation would happen and like somebody just like murdered in the street and no one talks about it. We just like continue going with, with work. So I'm sure yeah. it was kind of nice and felt a little supportive, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Um, um, I love my team for creating that space for us. Um, and again, like, um, like I keep saying, you know, the more we create spaces where we're able to share, the more we learn. Yeah. And is that, is that your first job or did you have like jobs before that? No, I had jobs before that. So straight out of high school, I actually, I got a job at, um, at Baker Hughes, which is an oil and gas company here in Houston or like, actually they're international, but like, um, but I got that job because my dad has worked for them for like over 20 years. And so he was able to get me that job, like in the machine shop. And I, fucking hated it like I stayed there for about two years and I was like I hate corporate America I never want to do this again like this is for me and so then after that I started working in the medical field and then ended up 
in education. Um, Why did you hate it? I hated just the the work culture. Like the work culture was very like male dominated, white dominated. Like I didn't care for any of it. And at the end of the day, like um, it's not what I was passionate about. I knew that that wasn't like where I wanted to be, what I wanted to do, the people I, need, I wanted to interact with. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, it's it's so interesting, like what um like our family members and parents like would be able to to go through for work but us like we feel like i'm gonna put my foot down and leave you know what i mean like it's such a different attitude that we that we come in with certain times yeah it's definitely a privilege too um Mm -hmm. growing up from the age of five all throughout high school and even like sometime sometime like in my adult life when um for a short time that i wasn't employed um my mom would send me to work with my um grandpa and he had a landscaping business. So every Saturday and, and every summer, I was out there like, you know, like the, um, like we say cutting grass, but it's like mowing the, the lawn and things like that. Um, and like all that time, like I enjoyed spending time with my grandpa, which I call him Willito. Um, but I knew that I was like, nah, I can't do this. Which is crazy because now my part-time job is working for a farm or like I work with a farm, but I don't like do any kind of farming. Like, I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'm out here like trying to organize like events for y'all, but like, don't put me out there. <laughs> tell me, tell me about where you grew up as well. Like, was it in Houston? Yeah, in Houston. Um, um, so like Northside Houston, I'm not sure if you're familiar with Houston, but it's a predominantly like, I mean, Houston in general is very predominantly Latinx, but like- I mean, Texas, right? The whole state. Yeah, Texas, yeah, for sure. Um, but yeah. The, I grew up here in Houston. I was uh, I was born here, raised here. So is it is it mostly Mexicans in 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 that town? No, the, Houston is huge. Um, Houston is huge, and we have like Central America, South America. Yeah, it's very diverse. It's very diverse, not just with the Latinx community, but with all other communities. Like it's very diverse. Got it. So like I'm wondering, like you growing up in that town with a lot of people that look like you was was it easier for you to just like embrace your Latinidad? Like, was it just difficult at home? Um, cause, cause you mentioned like at home, you, you met certain resistance. I'm wondering if it was just in your household or just like the whole neighborhood. So I was very sheltered growing up. And the first time I really heard the word like Latino or Latina was in sixth grade with, um, and my sixth grade teacher was like, had like recently graduated um, college. She was from the Valley. She was all about like telling us like, this is who you are. This is how life's going to be for you. You know, like, it's not going to be as easy as you, as it is for other people. You need to like work your ass off um, so that you can get ahead. And so like, that's the first like time I really heard the word Latino. And, and that has stuck with me since. Wait, how did she say it though? Like what context? In her telling us her experience, she was like, I, um, she went to Rice here in Houston and mm-hmm. it was, you know, um, like it's a predominantly white school. And so her being Latina from the Valley, she was, you know, um, like she would tell us about her experience and like just empower us to to do more because we have to do more. Ah, she was Latina. I didn't know that. That changed everything. Oh, yeah, everything. yeah. Forgot that. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah. I thought, um, definitely invite her onto the podcast. She would love this. Oh, I thought I thought she just came in and we started yelling like, 
all these Latinos get out of here or something. Oh, no, 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 no. It wasn't that. It wasn't that. She, she's Latina. She's all about the Latinx community. Like, um, she's actually like my boss's boss's boss now. So, cause I no way. to work for the school that I graduated from. Oh, that's really dope, man. Yeah. Got it. Okay. So, so all right. So you went from that environment, and now like at work these days, right? Or like some of the jobs that you've had before. I know that early experience was like a lot of people that don't look like you, like as you sort of move forward, is it, is it more representative of the town or is it sort of like that first experience where you didn't see a lot of people that look like you? I definitely think that I've surrounded my, myself um, or like entered spaces where there are a lot more people that look like me. Even when we go to certain bars and restaurants, like if it's too white, I'm like, let's go. Like, I can't do this. Um, and so like when it comes to work and like the people I socialize with, I definitely think that like, I put myself in spaces where um, I'm more comfortable, where I can be my more authentic self. Um, and also just like to, to be able to like build community with people that like I can connect with the most. Nah, for sure, man. I mean, those are the times that I feel the most comfortable at work in particular is like, when I'm in, when I'm around certain communities of, of people that just sort of like relate to, to my experiences. So I definitely get that. At the end of the day, like no one else is like, if you're not building community with your own community, like who are you building community with? Nah, hundred percent, man. <laughs> I'm, I love, I love how like 2021 is just bringing, you know, the most authentic you out. Um, is there anything that still sort of like is a bit challenging to, to just be open about? I think that one of the things that's challenging to be open about is like um, my experiences when it comes to certain things that like I don't agree with in the workplace. Because at the end of the day, yeah, I'm pretty outspoken. I'm like, you know, like I say what I have to say respectfully. Um, but there's some things where I'm like, no, this is wrong. And like, we shouldn't be doing this. And so there's only so much you can say and do before they're like, you gotta go. Like, <laughs> <laughs> you know what, you know what I mean? Like at the end of the day, um, like I was recently in a dialogue and we were talking about like, yeah, we ourselves are trying to get ahead, but while we're trying to get ahead, we're also trying to like help our community. But the, at the end of the day, we still have to make a living. And so trying to find that balance between like, what do I need to do to keep my job, but also like do better for my community? Oh, what do you, what do you mean by that? You're saying like, you're trying to, yeah. What do you mean? So like, I mean, say you see something in your workspace in your workplace that's like happening that you don't necessarily agree with, or like someone is getting like the short end of the stick um, in, mm -hmm. at work and they're a part of your community. Like, are you going to speak up? Are you going to like ask your like, superiors to like correct that like are you going to advocate for that person um or are you just going to be like like just keep it moving yeah that's tough man because a lot of people don't really have the like the confidence to speak for themselves so in many ways like if that person does speak up for them they might feel like oh wow well that person did it then i could do it so yeah, yeah man it's, it's really tough but yeah i mean i'd like to think that i would speak up for somebody um it's interesting that always makes me think of the uh there were there were a few women that were on the obama team and they 
um, they always reference this one meeting that they had. Oh no, sorry. Whenever they got in a meeting, it was, it was like three women on that team. Um, typically like one woman would say an idea, no one would say anything. And then what the two other women did was that they repeated everything that the one woman said so that if the, if they didn't hear her the first time, then the other people would join in and they'd be like, Oh yeah, that's a good point. So it's sort of just like speaking up for people, um, and coming together for like, just to be heard. Yeah, for sure. But when it comes to like, I guess like the, uh, like bigger organizations, like there's only so much you can like say and do to like change certain things. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's pretty intimidating to say the least certain times. Yeah. And even now I'm like, I'm not going to name, <laughs> name where I work. Cause I'm like, Oh no, no. <laughs> sure. I mean, people know, but like, also like, there's only so much like I want to say. So I guess I'm like, necessarily like being like the most authentic right now when talking about my workspace (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah no i get it i don't i don't want people to be whistleblowers or like try to make it sound like they're telling on their um their company i'm more so just trying to tell your journey and you know through authenticity um interesting man so like how did you get over you know where you were like really young early on um, where you feel like you couldn't talk, where you felt like you couldn't necessarily be yourself to to like the person you are now. Like, was it like one specific moment? It, no. Um, one of the things that I love about your podcast is that you're very upfront about um, about having a therapist. So mental health is huge um, for me. And it's been a long road um, of like going to therapy, getting the help that I need, finding the like the healthy the healthy coping mechanisms to like deal with, with like depression, anxiety. Um, and so like that mental health like journey has definitely like um, helped me get to where I'm at now. Tell me about that. Like, what was the reason if you, if you're open to sharing, like why you went into it? Yeah, for sure. Um, again, like I said, I grew up in a very like conservative home. Um, my parents were pretty strict. Um, and so like, and you say that, you, you said that before, like, what, what do you mean by, like, very strict? Very strict, like, we weren't able to, like, like, I'll give you certain examples. I didn't go to the movies until I graduated, after I graduated high school. I didn't listen to secular music until after I graduated high school. Um, what are the things? Like, I wasn't able to, like, go to parties during high school. Like, wow. I didn't spend the night anywhere. Oh, my God, me too. Yeah, like, that's not a thing, like, and no one spent the night at our house either. Um, I didn't really have friends over. Like, I I had a ton of friends in high school. I was very, like, social in high school. But after school, it was like, that was it. Was it, how did you feel during it? It's weird, because I kind of knew that the response, and so, like, I never really asked. Same. I could literally only stay at one person's house, and this person was, like, my cousin, pretty much. And the only reason is because, like, well, one, he was, like, my cousin, and he lived, like, three floors downstairs in the building. But besides that, there was literally no one I could, no one's place I could stay at. Yeah. Um, and then, like, my parents never let anyone babysit us. Like, we were always with our parents. Like, we were really, like, really attached to our parents growing Yo, up. Yo, yeah. It's so funny. Yeah. I, remember, I remember growing up in high school, like, everyone would have the free crib. I would never have the place to myself. Never. <laughs> No, yeah. Um, I remember in like sixth grade, and like by that time you're kind of like older, like you can do things on your own. Well, I ended up going on this like my first like trip without my parents because we we went to this like camp or whatever, 
I cried like probably like every night because <laughs> like I was had never been away from home. Wow. Yeah. Um. So, but like my parents being like strict, it's not so much like that they were like mean any in any way. They were like very overprotective. That's what I was gonna say. Like for the most yeah. part, because it's interesting. Like at some point, I'm sure when you were younger, you were just like, oh, I hate this. But like as you get older. I'm sure like maybe you've had certain conversations with them and they were just like, I was just trying to protect you. Oh no. Yeah, for sure. Um, um, I'd say I have a pretty good relationship with my parents. Like um, I don't live with them anymore, but I like try to visit them pretty often. We text, like everyone texts. We have a family group chat and I definitely see where they were coming from because now I have my niece, Maddie, who's five and my nephew, Lucas, who's three. And I'm, I'm like, wait, where they're going, where they're doing what? Like, <laughs> it's even, it's even worse um, with, La with Latino parents with, with women as well, like little girls. Oh, they don't let oh, yeah. them go anywhere. Yeah, for sure. Um, my sister, um, she's only like a year and a half younger than me. Um, if I was going somewhere, she was going. If she was going somewhere, I was going. Like, they never let us go anywhere alone. So as far as like you aiming to be independent and like build your own thoughts and, and plans, like, was that difficult to sort of like, let go and cut that off? I cut it off. Like, obviously it's still your family, but you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. Um, um, so I think recently, like, and I, when I say recently, it's been like the past couple of years, something that I've been like working on is like knowing that my mom is coming from like a really good place. And so whenever she like makes certain comments or like asks certain questions or like makes like, like gestures at like certain things that she doesn't like about like what I'm doing or what I'm saying, I kind of like am very like gentle with her with like saying like reminding her that like at the end of the day, like this is my life. Like you <laughs> let your kids like live their own lives. Um, and the other thing that I like remind her of sometimes is like, um, like the more you let me like live my truth, the better relationship that we have. Cause if you constantly want to be like getting after your kids, even when they're older and like, all, like, you know, like, um, like, like constantly creating this like negative, this negative like relationship and space between um, like me and, and my parents, um, then we're not gonna have a good relationship. And I, and like, as I get older, I wanna get closer to my parents. Yeah. Yeah, same. I've been getting a lot closer to my mom as we got older because every time I would like get like my grandparents raised me essentially because my mom was always working. My dad wasn't around. Um, they yeah, were separated. Exactly. So, yeah, it's crazy because when I was younger, like my grandma was my mom in a weird way. Like my grandma raised me and my grandfather was my father figure. My mom was like working all day. By the time she got home, she just wanted to go to bed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so like as I got older, I've been able to build that relationship. Oh, yeah, that's really good. Um, my mom was like a stay at home mom. And so like, again, like we were really attached. We're still really attached to my mom. And so as we get older, like living in our living more of our truth, um, having those conversations have, have, has been like huge, because I want to like stay in contact with her. I don't want to have to cut her off. You know? she, if she acts up. <laughs> <she's good>. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting too like you mentioned like live your truth a few times like what do you what do you mean by that um so like for me personally is like living my truth like like i'm a queer man so and my parents like were very have always been very against that like you know we grew up pentecostal so it was like no 
that's that's not something we do like very homophobic let's just name it um yeah. so are a lot of latino families just because yeah, of like sure. religion yeah and so like when i say like living my truth is like continuing to like be comfortable with who i am and live my life that way and not be held back by by my parents like not agreeing not like not agreeing or like not not fully accepting me because at the end of the day yeah i still have a relationship with them but let's be honest they don't fully accept me yeah i've i've heard that story many a times especially from um latinos households in particular because like for the most part like it's so um historically catholic um yeah. or like you know in in the many branches of catholicism yeah yeah um but like at some point though i'm sure like what would i'm sure like when you first came out and they were giving you some feedback it was you had a certain feeling towards it but now it's sort of like as you mentioned right like you're living your own truth like tell me about that journey and just like your confidence to to be more of who you are um it was more so like my mental health journey um yeah i'll be very real um young you know when i was like younger in my early 20s and my in my like teenage years i was like very depressed because i i was like suppressing all these feelings of like being who i was um or who i am i mean um and so having like suicidal thoughts just like constantly like not wanting to like do anything outside of like go to work go out with friends and that that being it like going home and that's it and so as i grow and as i like as i heal from that learning how to how to balance and create boundaries between like hey like I, I need to live and i need to like keep wanting to live this life and if that means I, that i need to like create boundaries with the people that i love then that's what needs to happen because at the end of the day my life i love me and i'm i need to value my life a lot more than i than i value um getting along with with people that i love more yeah. And and I applaud you for taking that mental health journey, man, because that's something else in our community that not many of us take. So I'm glad that you did that because therapy honestly saved my life as well, just on a different level, different situation. Yeah. But I love to get your feedback on that. Like, what are some of the things that you came out of that with as far as like learnings or insight? Um, so like one of the things that I've really like realized that I really realized in 2020 because like 2020 was like rough for all of us. And I think that like, yeah. um, rough for all of us when it comes to mental health too, um, for a lot of people. And I think that in 2020, a lot of people started to realize or like come to like that it's mental health that they were struggling with, um, mm -hmm. more time alone, more time to like be at home and process things. And, and so like one of the things that I like continuously remind myself, um since 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 like you know going through 2020 is that like i need to remember how i cope with with my mental health so like say you like are going through like because everyone's mental health looks different and acts differently um when you go through like low points and so like say you're going through like you're entering the like the depressive episode and you like are like fuck like i'm feeling this way what are you doing that changes that? And mm -hmm. so coping sorry, that coping mechanism, you need to write it down and make sure that the next time you're feeling that way, 
you like counteract it with that coping mechanism. Like, yeah. I'm not even sure I'm using the correct terminology. Nah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like you need to make sure you write it down because the next time that happens, you need to do that again so that you can like keep moving forward and like not like prolong this this like depressive episode or or, or like this anxiety. Oh, a hundred percent, man, bro. And I got so a whole list. Know. I got a whole list of shit that I go to. Yeah, and like it's crazy what such like. Well, first of all, it's different for everybody, right? Like yeah, for sure. For someone, it could just be like putting on like Seinfeld or like watching a funny movie for some people it's like going for a walk for some people it's like seeing people for some people seeing nobody it's like different for everybody which is so interesting um um so what are um did you come into like any new things that you were like oh this helped in like yeah my um I mean I guess I'll switch switch the role. Like, tell us a little bit more about like you know some things that you came into or like realized in twenty twenty that help you better cope with your mental health. Oh yeah, man, this is definitely a conversation. So ask me anything. Um, one thing for me is just like, well, there's a bunch of like things that I do throughout the day, but I I have for I think I have like pretty bad anxiety. I don't have anxiety, but I don't know like on the spectrum of what it is. Um, so like structure is really important for me. Um, but there are like certain things that I've like implemented throughout the day to make myself feel better. Like after work, like I'll typically put on like a comedy and like not a show that I need to like really pay attention to, but like, I'll, I'll just watch like stand-up specials all day. Um, in the morning, like I typically either journal and it literally, I feel like not that I'm telling my feelings to someone, but I feel like I'm letting it out on the paper, if you will. Cause yeah, like there, sure. there, there's people that say like energy isn't lost. It's just transferred from one person to another. Right. So in a sense, like, I feel like I'm transferring my thoughts and my energy to like this pad. Um, what I've been doing lately, which I'm having a lot of fun with is uh, I, I feel like, I feel the need to feel, to be creative very often. So I actually bought a coloring book. Oh no, my, yes. my girlfriend bought me a coloring book. And I'm just like in there all day, so much fun. Uh, but there's so many different things. There's a lot. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, I love that. What about you, though? Similar um, things. One of the things that I've been doing a lot, or I mean, not a lot, but that I've started to enjoy doing. And again, like I've always like seen myself as a creative, but like, and I think that cooking is creative. And so one in 2020 is like when I was able to see people like you know in like my group or whatever um I really enjoyed cooking for other people so like I, I was like cooking for my like grandparents and my grandparents are like amazing cooks and so it was cool to send them some food and then then be like oh this was like really good or like you should have done this you can do this better and then also just like um just like cooking for friends that's been like huge for me um you know, um, like after being like at home, cause now I work from home, um, yeah. at home all day, I kind of like want to go over to my friend's house and like cook for them, things like that. The other thing has been like, um, before the pandemic, I used to go to the spin studio, like at least like, yes. I love fucking spinning and I haven't spinned since the pandemic. I even got a fucking Peloton and I've got on there for probably like 12 times. And I realized that, that I hate a Peloton because I don't have that like studio culture where I get to see people, where I get to see my best friend, where I get to interact mm-hmm. with people. And so like, now I've switched it over to like bike riding outside. So that's been huge for me. The other thing that's yeah. been big is like 
going to the park and having a picnic and just like chilling at the park. Cause now everyone's like having, I mean, here in Houston, I never like really did that before the pandemic, but now it's like big for me. Like this weekend, that's definitely what I'm gonna do. I knew, I always thought I was an extrovert, but now I'm realizing how much of an extrovert I am. And it's not like, I don't have to like talk to someone outside, but I just need to see people outside, like walking around. I just need to like people watch. And I love people I, watching. Yeah, I hate being indoors. I can't do it, it drives me crazy. Like this is really difficult, just like being indoors all day. Um, I'm definitely an introvert, but like, I see some of the things I do and I'm like, that's very extrovert. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, I feel you, man. Yeah. That's dope, man. I'm happy for you, man. Cause yeah. it's, it's so important to, to take that journey, but really like get to know yourself and really understand like what works for you and doesn't work for you, man. Cause like, that's not going to be your last, um, challenge where you have like a difficult day or a difficult string of days we all we're all gonna have it right but at least you have like a list or certain things that you can go back to and be like all right well i'm going through this i'm gonna do this yeah for sure like you're, you're probably never going to stop having these like low times yeah life you just have to learn how to better cope with them. or like sorry not yes cope but also better manage them yeah man and I'd love to get into um, like professionalism as well, right? Because you've gone through the journey and just like feeling more comfortable in who you are and, and living your truth, as you mentioned. Um, I've heard from other people that identify as, that self-identify as queer. They said that they don't feel, although they are, um, although they're seen as, as men, like they don't feel comfortable showing that side of themselves at work because even the men at work, they're like straight white men. You know what I mean? So I'm just wondering, like, does that add another layer of complexity to, like, you aiming to be yourself in, like, professional settings? Yeah, I definitely, like, have had, like, small, small experiences where I, I feel the need to, like, hold back on certain things. But I've definitely been privileged to, to work in a space where, like, where I can definitely, like, be myself, my full authentic self. And, and if that means, like, showing or like like expressing more of of my like queerness per se then like that's perfectly fine in my workplace um and so i've been privileged in that way um so i haven't had the many interactions where i feel the need to like hide that that's great man what were some of those instances if you feel comfortable sharing yeah definitely um I think that like when I was like younger and also struggling with like who I was and being in, you know, like working for oil and gas, like no one there is, is saying they're queer. Like that's just the thing. Um, and so like, I was one, not comfortable with it. And two, it was definitely not a space where like anyone was saying that because they would probably like definitely like harass you about it. Wow. Did you see other people getting harassed about it or just like hiding it? Not really, but like, like in a lot of places that you may go, like, you know, like, um, like people make certain comments, certain homophobic comments. Yeah. You know that like, if you were ever to like disclose that you were queer, queer um, then that would like not be okay. Yeah. And it's it's crazy too, because people think it's just as simple as like, oh yeah, like people know that I'm queer. So they're, they're like, 
gonna make fun of me or or something like that right but it goes so much deeper than that like there's like a fear for for life sometimes you know what i mean and like uh, it wasn't until what like last year where they passed a law or a bill i don't know the right like legal terminology I that don't it was <laughs> but like they just passed it last year and it took until last year for them to say that it's illegal to discriminate based on sexual orientation like before that it was legally okay to fire somebody because of that crazy um, yeah, um, which was crazy to me when I found that out because, like I said, I've definitely been privileged to like work in a space where I don't necessarily have to worry about that. And so when when that came out, I was like, "Oh, this this is not a thing for everyone," you know, like. Yeah, I could. Yeah, like I feel for the people that aren't like as privileged as as yourself. You know what I mean? To be in some of those spaces. Yeah, for sure. Um, some of my friends work in spaces where like no one knows that they they identify as queer. Wow, that must be tough. Yeah, for sure. What about um? What about moving forward, man? Obviously, like you're at a point right now where you feel really comfortable, and I'm I'm really happy for you, man. Like, what's one thing that just continues to inspire and continue to empower you to be your most authentic self? Um, the one thing that just continues to inspire me is that the the more I share my experience, the more I share my story, um, other people begin to share it. And I really believe that that when we have conversations, when we start conversations, when we share our experiences, that's how we learn. And when we stop doing that, it's when we stop learning.